Thanks, Michael. Well, thanks for the opportunity of being here uh, with you this morning. I really appreciate it. And just when Stephen thinks he's managed to do most things in life for the first time, he finds something else to do, <laughs> to retire. Um, I've brought my big Bible with me. And the reason I brought my big Bible with me is because on the inside, uh, when you get to the dedication page, it says, presented to David Macmillan by Dundalk Baptist Church on the 18th of March, 1988. If you'd waited one more month, this would be 35 years old exactly, which is about the same length of time that Stephen's been the pastor in this church. So it's a real privilege to be here on this occasion and to share with you. Good to see Stephen and Daniel as well, uh, looking very different from I remember them uh, way back then. Um, it, it's, it's been quite a journey. And uh, I was the pastor in Uri Baptist Church uh, at the time the church here was started and was formed, and we had a, a close working relationship, which has been a, a real blessing over many years. Um, when I was thinking about what to say on an occasion like this, I was very much drawn to Paul's letter to the Philippian church, because it seemed to me it's a, a letter that uh, is warm, it's pastoral, it's full of reminiscence, thinking about the past and honoring what God has done in the past. Um, and I think we all understand a little of Paul's expression, which was read to us earlier, uh, when he said, I thank my God every time I remember you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I think for many people in this church here today and many visitors, that's something we relate to as we think of Stephen's ministry here and the work and ministry of this church uh, over many years. But his letter's not just about the past and not just about uh, reminiscence. He also looks to the future, and he's very confident in that opening uh, statement because he says he's confident that he who began a good work in the Philippian church will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And we're here to do two things today, really. We're here to honor a ministry uh, that has been faithful over many years, but also to think about the future and to focus, and therefore I've, I've called what I want to say, honoring the past and focusing on the future. Well, we want to begin by thanking God for the past and honor the past. No one's able to tell us definitively where Paul was, the Apostle Paul was, when he wrote this letter to the church in Philippi, the various possible places he was. But one thing that's clear is that he is in prison again. And in some way, despite his difficult circumstances, he's greatly heartened by the memories that he has of the church in Philippi and their love and their concern for him. One of the first things that strikes me about this is that Philippi was never in Paul's plans. The book of Acts in the New Testament gives us the story of Paul's life and his journeys and his missionary journeys. And Paul never intended to be anywhere near Philippi. The book of Acts tells us that when he was on what we would today call the west coast of Turkey, his plan was to go further north. But he had a vision, a vision that came from God, and it was of a man from Macedonia calling him to come over and to share the good news of the gospel with them, begging them. And Paul felt he could do nothing other than honor this vision, this call that had been given to him by God. And he obeyed and therefore spent time in Philippi and down in Athens and Corinth 
and a whole new world of opportunity opened up for Paul. Stephen, I know you had your own plans for your life and your future. And sitting here today, looking back over 35 years of ministry in this church wasn't in the plan. I was reading your testimony on the church website. If you haven't read Stephen's testimony, it's on the church website. And you talk about a time in your life when you were what you describe as being basically an agnostic. He says on the uh, testimony, if there was a God, and I cannot say it bothered me much either way, then I would have to find him or he me somewhere else. Well, he found you. And like Paul, you were given a new vocation and a new vision, a strong call on your life. And like Paul, you obeyed. And while you didn't cross any seas to get to your calling, you willingly embarked on a journey across the seas of culture, of tradition, of history, of religion, and of personal faith. And no one makes a journey like that without a great deal of personal cost. But God always honors faithfulness, for that's his own nature, to be faithful. And God has honored your faithfulness here, Stephen, in response to his call on your life. So as we honor the past, we give thanks to God this morning for your faithfulness to your God-given vocation and vision. The second thing you'll know well about Paul's visit to Macedonia and to Philippi, it had its ups and downs. Um, the earliest believers met in Lydia's house. Lydia was a, a merchant who sold purple cloth in Philippi. And she invited Paul and Silas to come and use her home as a, a place of meeting. And it was in a house in this town that the genesis of Dundalk Baptist Church was to be found and Stephen's ministry was to begin. Unlike Paul's experience in Philippi, everything was going quite well at first, but it wasn't long until there were challenges, difficulties, even misunderstandings. It's good that there's one major difference between you and Paul. And that is, you've managed to stay out of prison. <laughs> he was in it quite frequently. But you've had to contend, nevertheless, over the years with suspicion, with misunderstanding, particularly in the early days, and quite a few challenges. So we also want to give thanks to God for your steadfastness to your God-given vocation and vision. We also know from the book of Acts, it tells us the whole story of what happens in Philippi. Paul and Silas go there, they start meeting in the house of Lydia, and they start preaching in the town, and then there's trouble. There often was trouble when Paul started preaching because this seemed very strange and people felt threatened. He ends up um, being beaten and put in prison. But by um, the grace of God, um, things change quite markedly. There's an earthquake, the doors of the prisons fall open, the prisoners do not escape. Paul and Silas have spent their time singing hymns in prison, as you would do, I'm sure. And uh, as a consequence, they have a really strong sense of God's hand upon them in this situation. And then the community discovers that Paul is actually a Roman citizen, and he should never have been beaten, and he should never have been thrown in prison in the first place. And the leaders of the community come, and they kind of grovel in front of Paul and ask him to leave them very quietly because they realize they've made a terrible mistake in treating him this way as a Roman citizen. So he leaves the city 
with people having a very different understanding of him than when he entered. Now, while the people of Philippi, the leaders there, became afraid of uh, Paul, I don't think anybody in Dundalk has any reason to be afraid of Stephen. Um, but I think it's to your credit, Stephen, and to the witness of this church and its members, that today you are well respected in the wider community. Um, if starting out it seems strange that you would have a, a Baptist community, whatever on earth that was, was this some kind of cult or what was it? Um, it's to your credit that today things are very different. Let me read you an extract from the Dundalk Radio FM website. Kevin's already made reference to it. Here's what it says. Stephen Murphy is the host of Heart of the Matter, Mondays 8 p.m. and repeated on Sunday 8 a.m., just so that you know. The radio show of the Dundalk Baptist Church. Stephen is a contributor to the Saturday morning current affairs show, The Business Brunch, and enjoys political interviews and election counts. Well, I, that doesn't surprise me at all, actually. <laughs> Stephen plays a major part in the good governance of Dundalk FM and has been chairperson and sat on the finance and HR committees. The people of Philippi came to see Paul quite differently, and it's an, a testament to your integrity and love for this community, Stephen, that people want to hear and learn from you in matters of the gospel, but also in fundamental elements of public life. Paul reflects joyfully on his association with the Philippians, but it's clear to see that it was his faithfulness to his calling, his integrity and in his dealings with people, and his passion for people that created the environment for the partnership that Paul had with them. The way he lived and ministered created the environment which gives him joy. And Stephen, we give thanks to God for the integrity of your witness as you have lived out your vocation as pastor of this church. I'm sure that as you look back on the many years of ministry, there'll be things you wish had been different. I'm sure there are times where you wish difficulties could have been avoided, or maybe even where you could have acted differently. But at this happy occasion, full of fond, joyful memories, it's right that we honor your faithfulness to God and give thanks to God for that faithfulness. It's also right that you acknowledge your contribution, because sometimes people find that difficult to do. Accept the thanks that is offered Accept the appreciation for the leadership and example you've set, for you have been faithful. There are many differences, obviously, between your ministry and the Apostle Paul's. You didn't write most of the New Testament, as it happens. But there are two in particular that really stand out for me, as well as the prison thing. The first is, you haven't had an itinerant ministry. It's incredibly rare to encounter a ministry that spans 35 years in the one church. It's even more rare that the ministry over all those years was carried out in your hometown. Successful long ministries are rare and lifetime ministry in one's hometown is even more rare. By ministering here all these years, Stephen, and doing so in your home environment, you left yourself vulnerable to the ongoing and long-term scrutiny of those who know you best. By committing to fulfill your calling in this one place among your own people, you left yourself nowhere to hide. That's something rare. 
and that's something to honor. But unlike Paul, you had your wife with you throughout, and you've ministered in this place as a team together with equal commitment and equal passion. You've shared the journey together. You've shared the joys and the trials. You've modeled stability and steadfastness in your relationship with one another and with God. And not only in the church, but the way the two of you have worked with and for some of the most vulnerable children and people in society through the occupational therapy businesses you've established both here in Dundalk and in Dublin, you've set for yourself standards of integrity and professional excellence which speak well of your Christian faith and the Lord you serve. I know that this retirement from the role of pastor of the church does not mean retirement from continuing to serve in whatever way God calls. It doesn't mean you're done with your part in the body of Christ. But today we give thanks to God for your plural, or we would say in Belfast, yours, faithfulness to God, to one another, to your family, and to this church. There's a lot to honor as we reflect on the past. But we must also focus on the future in an occasion such as this. And you, the members of Dundalk Baptist Church, now have to go forward in a different way. Although Stephen and Marie will still be around a good bit of the time, things will begin to feel different. And I know that Stephen's Baptist convictions have ensured that church government is not one simply of pastoral diktat, where everyone does what they're told or kicked out the door. The church here is not a cult. It's a body of believers sharing life and ministry in the church together. Nevertheless, I'm conscious that for you as members of the church, you will begin to notice and feel a difference in church life. Just as the churches that Paul founded had to make their way in the future without his constant presence or support, you'll be moving forward, discerning God's will together and as you do so, I want to leave you with some of Paul's advice to the church in Philippi, which I believe will be of encouragement and help to you in the days ahead. There are three things from the passage that was read to us. Look to your witness in the wider community. Look to your life together. And look to keep your focus on Jesus. Your witness in the wider community Paul urges the church um, in verse 27 of chapter 1. He urges them that whatever happens in the future, they should conduct themselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And in the passage that Michael read to us, he wants them, as some translations put it, to end up shining like stars in the universe. Paul says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Paul had such a high view of the gospel of Christ and such an acute sense of human disposition to selfishness that one of his great pastoral concerns would, was that the church would live well. The credibility of the claim that God is amongst you depends on you living well. 
The credibility of claiming to be disciples of Jesus Christ depends on you living well. Now, clearly, life wasn't easy for the Philippians. Paul speaks of how they are going through the same struggle he had. Whatever happened in the town, relationships must have been difficult at some point again. So even when there was opposition or persecution, as far as Paul was concerned, there was to be no compromise in the way the church lived and witnessed in the wider community. And there are so many things that can affect the witness of the life of a church in a community, things that come from the inside disputes or gossip or a lack of grace in our witness or a lack of grace in our conversation with each other or with others or being self-absorbed and becoming inhospitable to the outsiders. Any of these things will always end up affecting our witness in the community. And when we fail to heed Peter's exhortation to give the reason for the hope that we have within us with gentleness and respect, then we compromise the gospel. So as you go forward from here, I just want to encourage you as a church, jealously guard the good reputation that you have in the wider community. It speaks well of you and it speaks well of your love for Jesus. And remember this too, that while you have the opportunity to share the good news on the airwaves of Dundalk FM, remember that stories about disgrace and dishonor travel even faster than radio waves within a town or a community. But secondly, your life together. Paul may not have been present when Jesus said to his disciples, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. But the importance of love among the disciples, love among God's people, is a major feature of all of Paul's letters when he writes to the churches. He understood just how critical Christ-like love among God's people is for the health of the church and the credibility of its witness. He says to the Philippians, if being Christians together has any blessing or comfort, be like-minded, have the same love, being one of spirit and mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Paul understood that human relationships in the life of the church are fragile. But he also understood that love is the greatest means of maintaining those relationships. I'm always struck by the way the book of Acts very honestly tells us about the bitter dispute that arose between Paul uh, and Barnabas. They were missionary together on their first missionary journey. They were back in their home church in Antioch. And they fell out badly. That must have been horrendous for the church. And scripture records that. And I think... Paul must have reflected on that many times. And I wonder to what degree that played into the way in which he exhorted churches always to love one another and to work well together. He knew that life in the church wasn't plain sailing. Bitter internal disputes, power games, internal politics, unpleasantness, Apathy, 
These things rob the church of its glory. They rob the gospel of its power in the community. And they rob the world around you of the chance to see the beauty of Jesus. Jesus' command in John 13 to love one another as he has loved us is clear and simple. But it's not an easy thing to do all the time. But there's rich blessing when we try. So let me encourage you. In the days ahead, when you're discussing the future direction of the church, when you're talking about your preferences, your sense of how God may be leading you, heed Paul's instruction to love one another. And here's how you do it. By not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. That's how you love one another. It's a wonderfully intelligent instruction. If each person is looking to the interests of others, then that means that nobody is marginalized, nobody is left out, nobody is overlooked. If I'm looking out for your interests and you're looking out for my interests, then we can work with mutual respect and love and kindness. With grace and kindness, if you follow Paul's exhortation, you can come to settled decisions as you discern the mind of Christ, decisions that God will honor because they will have been arrived at in his way. Too many Christians in churches think that winning a majority to their particular view is the way to make decisions. It's not the biblical way. Look to each other's interests and you'll thrive, not just survive. And finally, keep your focus on Jesus. Paul always had his focus on Jesus. And while at times he even encourages people to follow his example and heed his instruction, it's always follow Jesus. And going forward from this important occasion for you as a church, it's critical that you do the same, that you have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, as Paul says. For the heart of what we are about as Christians and the beauty of what we believe lies not in buildings, not in events, not in organizations, not in organized religion. The heart of our faith and the beauty of Christianity is Jesus. Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, took the very nature of a servant, and shared in all the likeness of our humanity. Jesus, who shared in family life, who shared in human friendship, who shared in sorrow and bereavement, who shared in suffering, who shared in humiliation, who shared in broken friendships. This Jesus then humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And in a moment, we're going to sing the song that says, here is love vast as the ocean, loving kindness as the flood when Jesus the Prince of Life, our ransom, shed for us his precious blood. Focused on Jesus, you will always be a people of praise. Focused on Jesus, you will remain a people of grace and gratitude. Focused on Jesus, you will naturally strive to live with integrity and love for your brothers and sisters. Focused on Jesus, you can live with confidence and hope for the future, for in the power of the resurrection, God exalted him to the highest place.
and give him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So friends in Dundalk Baptist Church, whatever you do, however you go forward from here, keep your eyes on Jesus. Stephen, we give thanks for your faithfulness to God, to your vocation and vision. We give thanks to God for your steadfastness. And we give thanks to God for the integrity of your witness and how you have lived out your vocation and that vision. And we give thanks to God for both of you, for your faithfulness to one another, to God and to the ministry here. And friends in Dundalk, going forward from this occasion, look to your witness in the wider community, your love for one another, and keep focused on Jesus.